Good morning. My heart is certainly full of another opportunity to be in the house of the Lord. It's uh, the second opportunity I've had in many months to try to gather with the Lord's people, and it's certainly already been a blessing. I beg an interest in your prayers this morning. Pray for uh, my dad and part of my family there in uh, Mantachi, Mississippi at Pleasant Hill Primitive Baptist Church. I ask that you would pray for them. If you would, turn with me this morning to 2 Samuel, the 6th chapter. Um, And of course, we're right in the middle of the life of David, the account of the life of David, which starts early in the book of 1 Samuel. And David has just been crowned, he has just been uh, established as king, and he has now made the decision that the ark of God needs to be brought to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was not always a city possessed by the Israelites. David forcibly took this city from the inhabitants and has now decided to make it the capital, if you will, of the nation that he is now king over. And he has decided that not only will this be a center of commerce, this will also be a center of worship. And in 2 Samuel, the sixth chapter, we are given the account of David bringing the ark to Jerusalem. And in verse 1 of 2 Samuel chapter 6, we're told, Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David gathers together a procession of over 30,000 people, among whom are the foremost men of Israel to bring the ark into the city of Jerusalem. And in verse 2, we're told, And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. The ark of God was something that the Lord instructed the children of Israel to build while they were in the desert for those 40 years after they disobeyed the commandments of the Lord. And it was only about four feet long and two feet wide. And on top of that ark, the lid was a mercy seat of solid gold. That mercy seat was simply a place where the children of Israel came to find mercy. You'll realize this morning we are gathered together at the mercy seat. We sing a song called the mercy seat. The song says, from every stormy wind that blows, from every swelling tide of woes, there is a calm, a sure retreat tis found beneath the mercy seat. In verse, three, we're, in verse 3 of this song that we often sing, it says, there is a scene where spirits blend. You're seeing that scene this morning where friend holds fellowship with friend, though sundered far by faith they meet around one common mercy seat. David was looking for a common mercy seat that the children of Israel could gather to to seek mercy from their God. And he decides to bring the ark to Jerusalem, the ark that symbolizes the presence of the Lord. The ark is literally, in this chapter, defined by the presence of the Lord. It says, The ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. So the ark is synonymous with the presence of the Lord that dwells between the cherubims on top of the ark. Those were the two angels of gold that were mounted on top of the ark. And when the children of Israel came before the ark once a year to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings and blood offerings to the Lord and atonement for their sins, the priest would go into this mercy seat 
And he would sprinkle blood around and on the mercy seat. And he would beg God to forgive the sins of the people of Israel. God has forgiven our sins. He forgave our sins, I believe, before the foundation of the world. He finished that and sealed that on the, by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And as we gather before Him today, we are asking continual day-by-day mercy from His holy name. I hope you all realize that this morning. It's a very sobering thought. And David brings the ark, the presence of God to Jerusalem, that for generations and generations after, the Israelites would have a central location to assemble and worship and praise the Most High God. And they set the ark, in verse 3, they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God, and Ohio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. This seems to be some extraneous details in this chapter. But what we can gain from that is this was a very big deal when the Israelites brought the presence of God, the ark of God, up to Jerusalem. There were over 30,000 people here. Not only were 30,000 of the foremost men of Israel here, the wisest, the smartest, the most intelligent, the greatest men of war, some of David's right-hand men were gathered here together, and all the people went up with David to Jerusalem with this big fanfare, realizing that what they were doing was momentous, and it would be remembered for generations to come. Because Solomon's, David's son Solomon would build the temple in Jerusalem, and it would be there for hundreds of years. Another would be built after the first was destroyed, and it would remain till the Romans destroyed it in AD 70. This was a very big, momentous occasion. And when they, in verse 6, and when they came to Nachon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. Gibeah means the hill. And if you could picture this ark, this cart with the ark on top of it driving up the hill, the ark, the cart hits a rut and the ark begins to shake. And the man who was driving this cart puts out his hand, lest the ark of God fall. And in verse 7, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, And God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased, because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. Something very drastic has happened. David is seeking to please the Lord, but he doesn't fully remember the direct commandments of God made in the same place that they are told how to build the ark. And the commandments were... Carry this ark upon stakes. Carry it upon sticks. You're to insert two sticks and the holders placed on the side of the ark and four priests are to carry this ark. But they didn't do that. They placed it upon a cart and tried to take it to Jerusalem. In verse 9, And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of God come to me? So David would not remove the ark of God unto him into the city of David. But David carried it aside in the house of Obed and the Gittite. Now this is a lot of reading. And I'm encouraged to tell you today that this reading today is probably the only perfect part of this message that you will hear. This is the inspired word of God. And we're told that this man, one of the servants of David was struck down because he had done something that displeased the Lord. Now what is the lesson we learn from this? Well, first of all, we can understand that in these days the law 
was, in our opinion, very harsh. We are blessed this day to be under the law of the law of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We can come to the Lord not on the plea of our own perfection and sacrifices, but under the plea of the perfection of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And then the ark of God continued in the house of Obedim the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obedim and all his household. I believe there's a lesson to learn from this. And y'all play, pray for me, please, that y'all could see this in the way that I've seen it over the last couple months. David knew that the ark of God should be in a central location for the children of Israel to gather together and worship. During multiple times throughout the year, the year, the children of Israel would gather together and praise and worship the Lord in Jerusalem. This church right here, the church of the Most High God, is the spiritual Jerusalem. The reason that we put on our beautiful garments... And we come up to Zion, the holy hill of Zion. And we come up to Jerusalem because in Isaiah 52 and verse 1, we are told to put on our beautiful garments, to put on our strength, to come up to Zion to worship the Lord. To cleanse ourselves and come up with pure hearts and pure minds to try to endeavor to serve Him. That's what we're doing this morning. That's what David was symbolizing when he brought the presence of God up to Jerusalem. Because I submit to you today, you may find the presence of the Lord in your car. You may find Him at work. You may find Him when you, get, when you go throughout the week. But the place that you will find Him in the most pure and unadulterated form is the house of God. Right here, the spiritual house of Jerusalem. And David realized this and he brought the presence of God to Israel so that the people would have a place together. How did they come? Did they come in their old rags, and their dirty clothes? Did they come not focused on the Lord? No, they came rejoicing, leaping and dancing because they understood that we're going up to worship in the house of God. These last several months, we haven't been able to do that. But as we gather together once again, I rejoice to be here this morning. It's such a blessing. David understood the importance of this. And in verse 14... We're told, and David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with the linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of God with shouting with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of God came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in his place. In the midst of the tabernacle, David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Read with me this morning. There, I hope to gain some, we hope to gain some lessons from this. And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. You see this here. David brought the ark into the tabernacle that he had prepared. And now he blesses the people of Israel probably standing in front of that tabernacle as he's brought the ark to Jerusalem. And he dealt among all the people, even the whole multitude of Israel, as well to the women as men, to everyone a cake of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed everyone to his house. Listen carefully. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovered himself. And David said unto Michal, 
It was before the Lord, which chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, will I play before the Lord. And I will yet be more vile than thus and will be base in mine own sight. And of the maidservants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. Do you see this? David is dancing before the Lord, clad in his linen ephod. Does this mean David was being in any way inappropriate? I do not think so. But Michal was reviling David because he has relinquished his status as king to dance before a greater king. He was clothed, probably clothed in his kingly robes. He probably had on some sort of crown. He most likely had on many other types of jewelry. He probably had on his ever-present sword as a man of war. But he takes that off and he takes up his harp and he dances as one of the people before the Lord. And Michal says, David, why have you done this? You're king. Why would you revile yourself in the presence of all your people? You're supposed to be a man of prestige, a man of honor, a man of leadership. And David says, no, it doesn't matter because when I come before my king, I will come in humility and honor and praise him to the best of my ability. Amen. Let us not despise the simplistic worship of the Lord. You know, my brother Andrew told me this morning, I was looking a little shaggy because of the quarantine and I had to get a haircut. And uh, some, the person who was cutting my hair said something funny and I, I busted out laughing and they jerked a little and cut a little piece of my hair out right here. I'm not ashamed to admit that to you all. My brother Andrew told me, he said, it's a good thing primitive Baptists don't use projectors, McNeil. I said, because if they did, everybody would be able to see what happened to your hair. It doesn't bother me. That we, don't use, that we don't use projectors. It doesn't bother me that we don't have a band. It doesn't bother me that we don't have many, many other things that we could add to this worship service. Because as we see David here, he is saying, I want to follow the commandments of the Lord. And I believe as we worship here this morning, we are endeavoring to follow the commandments of the Lord as given in terms of New Testament worship. As we do that, I pray that we are leaping and rejoicing this morning to come up and worship the Lord in Jerusalem. Amen. I know we've read a lot this morning, and there's been a lot that we have not had the opportunity to cover as I would like. But as we look over this chapter in its entirety, we realize David understood that we ought to assemble together to worship the Lord. Amen. He understood that there was a location that we ought to try to assemble and worship to the best of our ability. Right. He understood that when we go up to Zion, we are to strip ourselves of our preconceived notions of our own goodness and come to the Lord in humility and ask Him before the mercy seat that He would bestow blessings and mercy on us throughout the week. Amen. If you're here to listen to someone who does this consistently every Sunday, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not that individual. I'm plagued with pride just as anyone else is. I forget to... Remember how great the Lord is, how small I am, and how big He is. I try not to, I don't worship Him as I ought many times. I pray that we would learn these lessons and take these lessons from the life of David and, and seek to worship Him as He has requested that we worship Him. Thank you for your time. I love you so dearly. It's an incredible blessing to be back in the house of the Lord. Thank you.